the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. I know I'm not supposed to say that, so I will anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's get started with a couple of uh, from my one of my favorite recording artists, Bob Marley. Uh, truth is, everybody is going to hurt you. you got to find the ones worth suffering for. Ain't that the truth? You never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. I've run into several people lately that uh, are living that right now. Love would never leave us alone. There we go. Uh, anyway, you know, we always come back uh, to our um, webpage. And if you'd like to get any of the ideas that I bring up here or you'd like to talk to me, if you go to Google or Bing and hit Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. You can always tell it's me because right below my picture it says, remember, buy low, sell high. Um. You know, Market Week, Bob Dickey has been doing a good job of kind of telling you what's going on, and we're going to discuss that uh, later on the show. Uh, but we also have the Market Week, the daily technical analysis. Uh, we've been talking about, uh, you know, cybersecurity for some time. And, you know, we talked about interest rates being lower for longer. <laughs> and everybody thought I was crazy, said they were going up and up and up. And I suggest that uh, you, I've been right. Uh, RBC's been right. Uh, interest rates are now down a half a percentage point when they were only three and a quarter to begin with. That's a lot. Okay. So, uh, it should start to help the housing market. Uh, you would think anyway, but listen, we have a couple lists that you can grab. We have our bond list. Uh, you know, municipal bonds are still yielding above treasuries. So you get, it's tax free from both federal and state taxes and they're above treasuries. Uh, you know, and, and Columbus is triple A rated. So, uh, you know, you want to be sticking with those, but we have our best idea list for 2019. We have our dividend growth portfolio. Our prime income list has really been doing well. It it was up seven percent till Thursday, and then something happened with the uh, utilities and and REITs, and so it's only up about four and a half percent. But it had a four percent dividend too. The dividend growth portfolio has been doing quite well. Uh, it it's extreme extremely well, and and periods like this, when things are down. You want to buy quality, uh, and there's some, a lot of quality down a lot, and uh, I'm not sure. And by the way, it, it's one of the few times that insider buying hasn't been working, and you know some of these high quality names. These people are down forty or fifty dollars uh, on a two hundred dollar stock, you know, uh, or you know twenty. Look, Warren Buffett's last four purchases, he's got whacked on. So anyway, uh, if you like that information, please let us know. Uh, we have a new newsletter out for January. Um, first first point is uh, famous people who failed to plan properly. Uh, key retirement and tax numbers for 2019. And four tips for planning a career change, which I, I've talked to a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, a lot of Verizon people uh, uh, getting uh, uh, a chance to move on if they want to. Uh, also, uh, one more list, and that is our telecommunicate, our technology, internet, me- media, and telecommunications conference for 2018. Uh, I hear it was very, very well received, and uh, got a great piece on that. Couple other things: there's some new rules, uh, new tax rules that impact charitable giving. If you like that information, let us know. Uh, and uh, look, uh, well, I'll start a, l- a little bit different here. Uh According to the facts that, in dollar terms, an investment in the S&P 500 a decade decade ago would have returned you 273% to the investor. The same investment in the all-country world index, excluding U.S. stocks, would have uh, returned a buyer 120%. So 
all these guys are telling you to go international, international. Now they're starting to finally turn around, but for the last four years they have been, you've been getting killed. So, you know, no comment. Usually they move with the dollar. The dollar was strong for a while there. Then it's really, it really peaked back in 2016. So I don't know if it's going to peak again, but uh, keep that in mind. According to ArcView market research study in the U.S. and Canada, consumer spending on cannabis is outpacing previous estimates. On, uh, they're on track right now to do $10 billion by the end of 2018. The rate of U.S. children diagnosed with ADHD has increased by over 50% over the past decade. Roughly 5 to 10% of U.S. children are designated with uh, uh, ADD or ADHD. All right, so look, a lot, lots happened last week. Uh, it's been a, kind of a tough week, but I go back to Don Hayes, and not because his last name's the same as mine, but he spells it H-A-Y-S, not H-A-Y-E-S, just so you know, so we're not related. He always said, emotions are your worst enemy in the stock market. That was his mantra. And uh, look, as we end the year with a very high market volatility, people are looking for answers. Uh, we believe the economy is in pretty good shape and, and buying opportunities are being created. Uh, and I'll tell you why shortly. Uh, but look, uh, Lori Calcivina thinks we could have another two to 6% move lower. Now that was Thursday before, you know, basically about 800, 900, uh, well, maybe a thousand points on the downside uh, and the one, 2% down day. So uh, bears, which she looked at, you know, as measured by her respondents, are starting to appear but remain in the minority with less than one-third of the respondents self-identifying bears. Now, there is early signs, you know, the AAII poll, which is American Association of Individual Investors, is 52% bears. So, uh, you know, the people being bulls now are at 28%. So, I think despite many investors saying they see slim pickings and, and are struggling to find ideas, we found some clear buy and sells. Uh, buyers, you know, what we see right now are in healthcare, quality, defensive, energy, and emerging markets, while sellers are in cyclicals, high leverage, utilities, et cetera. So keep that in mind. Now, uh, we had a, a relative strength buy signal this week. It was for the money market over the S&P 500. <laughs> so when that happens, usually the money market will outperform the S&P 500. That happened on Wednesday. And I, I look, I look at the bullish percent indicators and, and uh, uh, you know, we, we hit 24 this week. So we're, we're getting to a pretty low point, but uh, you know, it's, it's something that's happening. I think the, in my personal opinion, the fed decided to swing for the fences and raise rates a quarter of a point. And it was a then it was a swing and a miss. the the out the the uh, the Fed uh, news conference was a disaster as far as I was concerned. And uh, um, look, the, the forecasts now are just one more Fed uh, raise and maybe even none. So we we have actually uh, come out and called it a. Uh, this is by Tom Gerritsen. He he thinks it's a policy area uh, era and. Uh, to say the decision to raise the rates is, was a mystifying one would be uh, underestimating the case quite a bit. Uh, it's against the backdrop that the Fed chose to raise rates while delivering what has been largely interpreted by the market as more hawkish uh, viewpoint. Uh, but financial conditions have tightened to a degree that we rarely see outside the periods of significant global stress and recession. Because that double-edged sword I keep talking about, you know, when they bring the maturities in to get rid of quantitative easing to make it, it's you know, they're taking the money out. It's it's $50 billion a month. You know, this year it's even more than that. It's like 62. That's a lot of money. Uh, so it some people think that's three, three eighths to a three quarters of a point. So if it's three quarters of a point, we just raised rates one and a half percentage points this year. So that's a lot. Um, so we think they missed a, a, a golden opportunity to take a pass. On raising rates, and I, I'm surprised they didn't. I think it was partly because of pressure from Mr. Trump, um, and so they wanted to be show that they were independent, which I think they'll regret. Um, now we've expected the, the Fed to pause rate hikes uh, around here. Uh, we were we were pretty much uh, shocked when they did this week, but at first glance, uh, it, it if you look at the Fed's dot plot of the uh, rate hike path projections of the Federal Market uh, Open Market Committee. Uh, it fell one right weight hike uh, for the forecast, so we'll just leave that. 
you know, one of the problems was the the Philadelphia Fed fa- uh, falls to its lowest level ever uh, in two years. I'm sorry, and it's been an accurate predictor of the economic growth. So you wonder what's going on here. Um, we did notice something in the fixed income area is there was a uh, credit risk, really sp- a big credit risk spread. If you look at the the uh, uh, floating rate bonds, they just got hammered, and the preferreds got hammered. So. Um, you know, that may be a big opportunity. I don't know. But usually when you think, I mean, the leverage loan area, you know, went from 98 to 94 in a week, which is a lot. So people are just getting out of leverage in a big way. Uh, so, look, I would be I, I've been talking about this dividend growth list for a, pretty much a couple months now. I would be sticking with names like that. There's a lot of really good names out there who these are companies that have been, uh, you know, Raising a dividend for years and years and years and years, and and uh, that's a pretty good idea. Now, look, domestic equities still lead the way, but I think every asset class failed um, the bo- bogey test versus cash. So, cash is actually you know building cash is a good idea. I'm going to tell you why I think there's some really good ideas going on. But look, the correction is freight investors' nerves and and could persist. We don't think it's heralding the demise of Wall Street, by the way, or the bull market. Uh, if we look to 2019 and beyond, uh, there's a lot of things that give us underpinnings for, you know, uh, being bulls, okay? Uh, the economics expansion is likely to continue. U.S. households are in great financial uh, shape. Uh, you know, that was, you know, back in the old days, that was a big bear growl. Uh, corporate and bank balance sheets are very strong. U.S. corporate tax cut is an important structural incentive change. CapEx will uh, rise on availability of high-return productivity enhancers. What I mean by that is industries that seek and support cellular growth opportunities tend to outperform. Uh, inflation interest rates remain very low versus history. Today's interest rates suggest a 20 PE for the S&P 500 is fair. I think we hit 14 this week. Equity investment transaction costs have collapsed. Dollar and oil prices won't cause the S&P profit recession because they're, they're <laughs> oil's down 40%. Uh, China will slow, but it's it's really they're really accelerating their loosening of monetary policy, and Europe will survive, and Britain will make a last minute soft Brexit deal. We think so, but the S and P five hundred did break its uptrend lane dating back to two thousand sixteen. But here is a couple things that are interesting. Number one, if we look at the number of new highs versus new lows, the number of new highs or new lows or new highs, I am sorry, was three. The number of new lows. Was twelve hundred? Well, it was thirteen hundred and fourteen. So that's the kind of ratio that usually starts a pretty good bull move. The other thing is the put to call ratio got over one point seven five this week, and that's that's a number we've I've only seen a couple times in my life. The bears are at fifty four percent. The bullish percent was at twenty four on on Wednesday, and we had two or three days in a row of bad news. Uh, so and the insiders are buying more than ever. I mean, it's amazing. So. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, things are still going to get uh, still going to be interesting for some time. Hey, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Haynes. Uh, just tuned in. This is Tim Hayes. I'm the, with the Smart Investor Hour. And uh, listen, if you just heard just part of that uh, thing and you only want to hear the whole show or you want to hear the whole show again because I talk fast, um, go to WHK1420 and they have local podcasts. Go down to Tim Hayes. Click on there. You can also get to my webpage from there, too. And if you want to get any of the dividend growth portfolios or the best ideas or the, the best ideas for 2019, our telecommunications, media, Internet and uh uh, technology conference information, just hit the email me or contact me and we'll get that out. You know, I've been talking about buying quality for some time now. And one of the things we, uh, we, we have a really good analyst in the life insurance uh, business. And I've been buying a couple insurers recently, just so you know, um, where there's been some massive insider buying. And he was on this show about, well, 2007. And he had all these names that he really liked, but he wouldn't recommend any of them. 
And then he came back on on a telephone conference uh, in 2009 and liked all of them. All right. And you could have made a lot of money there. And he thinks uh, we're getting pretty close to uh, time for for pretty timely growth for value investors. So these these are more value oriented stocks. Uh, Look, the relative predictable nature of of their liability uh, payouts, life insurers tend to hold longer fixed income securities and and equities. So now that they're down, you know, the lower interest rates have caused the portfolio's yields to fall by about a percentage point or so. But in the longer term, interest rates continue along their upward trend from late 2017. They'll be in a great shape, okay? So uh, we'll just leave it at that. Um, You know, I was going to talk about relative strength, how it's calculated, but uh, uh, we'll we'll try to leave that for the end of this uh, the show maybe do that next week look um housing is in a crunch and we've been talking about that and i think with the with the rates starting to come down it'll be interesting to see how some of the housing stocks do but the leverage loan price you know i told you it just went from 98 down to 94 so it'll it'll be interesting to see what exactly uh happens there okay so all right so look there's a couple things i want to talk about uh number one if you have a CPA or estate planning uh, attorney, there's I have 10 questions that you should be asking them. And if you'd like those, I would certainly tell them to you over the phone, but I'm not going to uh, go in detail on the show because uh, it might take a while. But one of the areas, if you're trying to find a tax break that you should know about, are the opportunity zones. Now, the tax law created special tax breaks in so-called opportunity zones, economically disadvantaged areas where the U.S. government is trying to promote investment. Now, investors can take the proceeds that would be subject to capital gains tax, such as those from the sale of a a business or a stock, and put them into opportunity zones to defer and potentially reduce their their taxes. They can also avoid taxes on the the funds gains completely, by the way. So opportunity zone designations are good for 10 years. But time is of, of the essence, and uh, I think you have to, you know, we have a whole piece on this if you'd like to see it. Uh, it just came out this week, uh, so it's called Opportunity Zones by RBC Wealth Management. And I, uh, if you'd like it, once again, hit the uh, email me or contact me. Or if you'd like to have a cup of coffee, call me, 888-223-7742. Well, I, I can't say I've seen too much <laughs> wonderful things about what's going on. Uh the Russell 2000 and the S&P 500, I just heard this on Friday. 80% of the companies in the S&P 500 are down uh, 20% or more. Uh, actually, 50% of those are down 40% or more. And the Russell 2000, uh, 92% of those stocks are down 35% or more, uh, with several being down 50. I've seen excellent news on stocks just be disregarded totally, uh, which is usually... You know, not a good thing. The the transport, which transports, which look great, are now at a new low. Uh, so if you're looking at Dow theory with the Dow hitting a new low and the transports hitting a new low, that's not good. The retail group, which looked fantastic, just blew up completely. Um, so it's been a hard, hard market to be in. And uh, it doesn't matter how much cash you have during this period of time. You're going to get beat up a little bit. And uh, that's unfortunately what happens in the stock market sometimes. Uh but once again, um, it, you know, it might be a time to add to your market portfolio coming up here. And I, don't know, I think we're going to turn around because, I, you know, I told you, look, we have a, a put-to-call ratio of 1.75. Bears are at 54%. The bullish percents are on 24. Now you can go to nine. Just, don't, you know, new high, new low list. The, the comparison is one of the best I've ever seen uh, uh, outside of 2009 and 2002 and 1987. Uh, so there's a lot of good things uh, that are going on, but, uh, you know, on the, in a kind of a contrarian way. Okay. So, you know, it's, don't get too bearish is what I'm suggesting. So look, uh, the financial sentiment indicators suggest that this might need some more time. Uh, financials usually are, you know, uh, lead the way and they keep, getting beat up a little bit. And uh, look, Warren Buffett just went out and bought uh, PNC Financial. And, you know, I think he paid 134 for PNC. It's like 114 now. Uh, he bought JP Morgan at 107. It's 97. He bought uh, Bank America at, at, I think, 26, 27. 
the 24. So that's why I've been looking. I think you'll see the financials lead us out of this. The question is, uh, you know, <laughs> when will that happen? <laughs> I don't know exactly. And and the question, the other question is, you know, from the high in January, the Nasdaq composites in a bear market. That means twenty percent. Okay, uh, the Russell is down twenty three percent, and and the S and P five hundred, uh, you know, which was down nine percent this month. It's, it's the worst December since like nineteen thirty one, and I think some of its policy mistakes. I mean, the Fed obviously made two big blunders, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and I, my firm's saying that too. Now, this is Tim's opinion, so you know, don't. Don't don't call the Fed and tell them that Tim Hayes is, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, October 3rd, he said we're going to have five rate increases. That's not how a chairman should talk. And then on, on the conference call for the rate increase this week, he talked about two more. It was very bearish, and I don't think that's what the market wants to hear. And, uh, you know, I, I would suggest that, uh, um, well, you know, I, I thought we were going to stay within this, like, rectangle pattern. We broke through that on, on Thursday, and... Uh, I mean, it didn't help when the White House said they were going to shut down the government. <laughs> that was, I mean, they timed it at the low just so that we make sure to break down to the, the bottom. All right. Um, but the volatility index is up there uh, where it should be. Uh, you know, talk, you could be talking about a bottom. Uh, so we, we have a lot of things, you know, based on what we're seeing to suggest that, hey, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're getting close. Who knows? Now, the other thing I want to talk about was the, um, the, well, well, I'll talk about that later. I was going to talk about the uh, McQuillan oscillator, but we'll talk about that. But look, the, if you look at the 10 year versus the two year yield, we're only talking about a, a percentage point here. All right. Um, I'm sorry, one percentage point. It's the three year. That's the three years at two, seven, two, the 10 years at two, seven, nine. So, uh, there's not much of a, you know, a change here. That's a flat yield curve. So now, if the ten-year went down to a two sixty-five, that would be an inverted yield curve. That's when you really, you know, you, you anticipate um, a, you know, some kind of a recessionary period. Okay, um, which may be in the stock market already. There's a lot of stocks down a lot. Um, by the way, when everybody knows about the recession, is the time when you really want to be buying stocks. Um, that is usually the best time. So, look, I I, I listened to a couple conference calls this week and. Uh, this week's breakdown by the U.S. equity uh, indices uh, below their fourth quarter, uh, quarter four lows is, you know, look, it can only be uh, viewed as a confirmation of the downtrend that began in the fall and and uh, a peak of a four-week cycle type of scenario. So weekly momentum and sentiment remain deeply oversold, supporting the case for a rebound. But, you know, we'll see. Emerging markets in China, which peaked in really early 2018, are are – uh, well, as rates and, 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 and the dollar rebounded, are showing some very early signs of stabilization. So it'll be interesting to see if the dollar holds. The 10-year bond yields continue to show evidence that they've peaked. I don't know. Uh, uh, technology uh, looks, there's that's a shaky chart right now. Um, banks remain weak. Uh, REITs have been defensive but are now developing some downside. So, there's not too many places to hide. Uh, utilities have showed up pretty well, and so haven't uh, consumer staples. And, you know, we kind of jumped on those back in May. So uh, we, we are a pretty good support for, like, the short-term stuff. And we have some more support around the 200-day moving average for the S&P 500. But that's that's a good 100, maybe 150 points away. The, the Russell is at some pretty crucial support. And we'd like to see it hold. If not, it's probably going down lower. Uh, the relative performance, though, is breaking lower, so I don't think that's going to hold. Uh, value is holding up better than growth right now, that's for sure. <laughs> um, one thing that the economic and equity uh, bullish sentiment is depressed and bullish for a rebound right now. I mean, if you look at the G10 economic surprise information, uh, it's way down below uh, the the you know, it's around the 2090 mark, which is usually a, you know, uh, you, you worry about it when it's plus 60. I, I mean, uh, minus 40, I'm sorry, plus 60. The the equity bullish uh, percent for the AAI poll is, is relative. It's at 32 right now. Uh, it was 28 just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, interesting. Now, we are starting to see some short-term bottoming out of uh, some of the emerging markets. I don't know if I jump on them yet. You know, 
I'd be waiting. Uh, the Nikkei did the relative performance reversed a three-year relative downtrend, and it's testing support. So uh, it may be reversing the downtrend just based on the fact that it's it's holding support. And the the Shanghai, the Chinese uh, Shanghai index, is in a downtrend, but it's it's it could you know I mean it's right at its downtrend line, so it could reverse. We talked about bond yields. They've broken their uptrend line dating back to uh, uh, 2016. The dollar looks like it may have peaked. You know, there's a lot of people trying to hammer the dollar. They don't want it to be the reserve currency anymore, and that's China and Russia. So uh, we'd like to see the dollar hold a little bit more, but it it may – the long-term view is that it's peaking a little bit. I'm also looking at the euro, and the euro is kind of testing support, so that may be good. Crude oil futures look like they will never bottom (laughs) – um, that's the sharpest sell-off I've seen in a in a commodity in a really long time, and you know I don't know why where they're seeing uh, inflation because the Commodity Research Bureau index is the same level as it was in 1973. So, but healthcare is leading the way. Staples are leading the way. Uh, we've been talking about those all year. The utilities uh, have held up very very well. Um, you know, the bank index got really hammered last week. So semiconductors seem to be make, trying to make a turn, and that's all we know. Gold's picking up a little bit. Hey, we'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Day after day, I'm more confused. Yet I look for the light through the pouring rain. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and uh, we talk fairly fast. So if you want to hear this again, go to WHK1420, their webpage, and just hit the local podcast podcast and hit Tim Hayes. And you can get directly to my webpage there, by the way, after you hear the podcast. But uh, look, a couple things happened this week. Uh, on Thursday, um, we, we have a thing called the bogey check, and that is, you know, we compare the relative strength of cash to whatever uh, asset class we're talking about. And uh, pretty much every one of them failed this week. So uh, (laughs) that's not good. Uh, So the money market percentile ranks at 80%. Uh, That's a pretty high number, which means that a lot of people are trying to get as much cash as possible. Usually with some of the information I gave you earlier, you know, that's some, you got to pay closer attention. So, we started Wednesday at 24.4%. We were down 6.3% for the week on the on the bullish percent. So what's the bullish percent? It goes from 0 to 100. It's an old chart that uh, a protege of Charles Dow put together. And there's two key areas, 70 and 30. At 70, that's when things are getting too hot to handle. And that's when you should be bearish. And when the below 30, that's the green zone. That's where we are now. That's when you should be getting a quality list of high, you know, uh, especially dividend names together getting ready to buy okay uh now there's two other things you got to know is that when we're a column of x's we have the offensive team on the field we have a column of o's we have the defensive team on the field now just because you're in a column of o's doesn't mean you have to sell everything you own <laughs> all right uh there are times when maybe that's a good idea okay back in 2007 2008 i said for four or five months that the cash would outperform the money i mean the money market would outperform the stock market and it did for seven or eight months. Uh, so I would actually it was just early. And, uh, but right now, uh, you know, domestic equities are the number one asset classes, uh, but they just failed, uh, on a relative strength basis to money market. But at 24, we're probably in the twenties now. So, uh, I'm in low twenties, if not in, in the high teens on the New York, uh, ex, ex, uh, stock exchange, uh, bullish percent. So, you know, that's a pretty low number, but remember it could go to nine. Okay, it's done it before, probably would do it again. Uh, but I am seeing some things that I really like as far as being bears and all that stuff. The over-the-counter index was down 6.7%, and it was at 22.9 on Wednesday. And the world index was just down 1%. It's at 28.5. Uh, so you can see the world is starting to gain some relative strength against the domestic equities in the sell-off. Okay, this is not selling off as much. They've sold off a lot in, uh, in the beginning of the year. So, I mean, they're... The average equity uh, or average international fund is down like 24% this year. So they're not doing that great. So the positive trend for all the, you know, indexes 
uh, all remain the column of O's. They all move lower. Uh, it's kind of scary. Uh, you know, that's the way it is. I think if you look at the uh, a point worth considering here is the historical action of the bullish percent around these levels. In short, nearly every time since 1997, the bullish percent has fallen to or below 30%. The first reserve uh, reversal up wasn't the move that caused a return above 50%. In other words, it is common for the bullish percent to see an initial reversal up and subsequent reversal back. All right, so we had that. You know, it reversed back up back in, in November and reversed back down. So you got to remember that. So this may be, you know, we may be getting close is what I'm suggesting. But all the indexes uh, have had negative weekly momentum for three, four weeks now. They all look good long-term, though. The indexes look good long-term. Um, you know, we, we did have, like, you know, the, the, the S&P 500 broke its uptrend line dating back to the bottom in 2016, the Brexit bottom. But it's still way above its uptrend line dating back to 2009. Okay? So short-term... We're seeing some, you know, some ugly stuff, but long-term things are, are okay. All right. Uh, now there's been a debate of equal weight versus cap weight. And I was going to go over that, but uh, it doesn't matter right at the moment. Anyway, we just, we got to be paying close attention, but look, here's what we, I, I look at the sector update and what we do is we do the bullish percent for every sector. And one of the things I noticed is electric utilities are, at, there's only four favored sectors. Remember, we had 26 back in January, okay? Uh, so we have four favorite sectors, electric utilities, which were at 60. They started to correct on Thursday. Uh, telecom, telephones, at 40. And software is at 30. And precious metals are at 22. Now, precious metals, uh, I don't know. But, you know, I, I looked at, there are 29 sectors under 30. Remember, 30 is the promise zone, Okay. What we're looking for is reversals back up on those. And if you get them, usually they're pretty big reversals. Sometimes they just bounce once, you know, make a couple bounces. But, I mean, some of the names, uh, auto parts are at 14%, uh, biogenetics at 20 building materials at 20 chemicals at 18 drugs at 16 uh, finance at 22 forest and paper products at 16 uh, machinery and tools at 16 Oil at 12, oil service at 14, retailing at 16, steel and iron at 8, textiles at 14, non uh, transports, non-air, 14%. I mean, some of these names are just, they're just hammering them. Uh, so it, it's, it, it is an interesting time, and I think one has to uh, pay close attention. You know, you don't want to be, it, it's hard to buy anything unless you see the whites of their eyes is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh and, and so you don't want to be jumping at things, but I think, look, um, our, our friends Marshfield, who we had our uh, seminar with this, this spring, um, you know, they're, they're even for the year. They, they're, they've done quite a good job. And that's, by the way, being even is pretty good for this year, um, even if you have a lot of cash, okay, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, and what they'll do is they'll start to buy things. And, you know, so if they're a 100-share buyer, they'll buy 30 shares. Then if it goes down a little bit further, buy 30 shares. It goes down a little bit further, buy 30 shares. And then when it turns up, you know, maybe they want to add another 30 shares or another uh, 100 shares. Or, you know, if they want to buy 300 shares, 100, 100, 100. Um, anyway, precious metals went to favorite status this week. Restaurants went to average. By the way, there's several restaurants that are making lower highs. Be careful. Uh, and the unfavored uh, status was uh, retail and business products. Uh, India broke above three on the Dorsey Wright scales. By the way, Dorsey Wright is the, uh, our friends who bring us the bullish percent. They're the keepers of the bullish percent, we'll call them. Um, and they do a great job. And so India, uh, has broke, well, it's pretty close to a double top and it held its bullish support line. So that's a, that might be an area if you're interested. Um, I'm not recommending it, just an area if you're interested. The United States Treasury 10 year yield index, the TNX. Now this, Judges the yield broke a quadruple bottom when it touched 280. Uh, it took out support dating all the way back to June. Um, usually this means that, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to get by. So there's going to be some basing before it goes up. Um, so the yield curve inversion is getting a lot of press lately as the three year yield jumped 
uh, above the five-year yield, but it, it really has to go above the 10-year yield for it to really be concerned, and we're not there yet. Uh, as far as uh, commodities, man, crude's been negative for nine straight weeks. The commodity index, seven straight weeks. Um, copper, uh, you know, w- was up for 17 straight weeks and down for 14 weeks, then up for four, now down one. Corn's been positive and gold's been positive, but that's the only two I can I can see. So the next major area of support for oil is in the 43 area, and then it gets down to to 40, and then it goes way, way down. We'll just leave that at all. And, you know, we talk about relative strength a lot in the show, and, you know, what you want is your stock to be doing better than its group or be the best stock in its group and the best stock uh, in the market. Or All right, so when you have a relative strength buy signal, that's something you got to pay attention to. Um, it, it doesn't mean you have to buy it or anything like that. It just means these are names you should dot, jot down. When you have a relative strength sell signal, that's when you want to be paying attention and checking your fundamentals, okay? So on the buy side, we have Minus Benevuentaria from Peru, Exelon Corporation, ICC Bank, uh, International Speedway Corp. By the way, that ICC Bank is from India. Uh, 20th Century Fox, OGE Energy, Liquidity Services, Pratimian Resources, Scana, and ICANG Healthcare Group. On the sell side, we get a lot. Blackbaud, Borden Warner, Cons, Carrizo Oil, the Green Buyer Companies, 3D Systems, Berkshire Hills Bank Corp, Concho Resources, uh, Acadia Healthcare, Jabil Circuits, Perceptron, PG Innovations, PGT Innovations, MRC Global, Shiloh Industries, Skechers, Sierra Wireless, Carol's Restaurant, CVR Refining, Control 4, GTT Telecommunications, Verative Corp, Tailored Brands, and Sonus. Um, what's interesting here is that companies are buying back their own stock in records amount. And uh, so w- what we had is literally this year a breakout from the trend. Uh, so share repurchases have recently broke above the $500, $600 billion mark. It's a lot, right? Now, one of the problems is, like I said, we if we date go back to 2016, the S&P 500 has broken the uptrend line dating back there. Uh, so that that's that you know rectangle has now we've broken down from that rectangle I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and we've got the bullish percent now in an area where it could turn in any minute, and so you got a lot of things going for you. Uh, so I, I guess the question is, you got to figure out your temperament. Are you seeking maximum performance? Are you seeking outperformance through the use of tactical approach? Are you seeking absolute return versus with very little drawdown? And you got to figure that out. And if you do, uh, I think you'll be a lot better in the in the future. But our cash percentile went up pretty drastically this week, and so that that's a, a mode of concern. And I just uh, you know when that gets up, uh, usually by the way you're closing in on a bottom, but it it usually means that the 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 last scary part is still to come. But look, let's go over this again. The volatility index is at 2425, uh, actually 25 as we closed Friday. It gets up there pretty close to where you expect. You know, sometimes there's a there's a run up to the, the 40s or 50s. Uh, so you're getting close to where things, you know, bottom. The put to call ratios at one point was 1.75 Friday morning. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty high number. The bears are at 45%. The bullish percent. You know, it's probably in the 22 area at least. And the new high, new low ratio is one of the, you know, I mean, this goes back to 1987, uh, 2002, 2000, 2009. You know, this is a big number. So there's a lot of reasons to be bullish in a contrary type of way. So just, you know, uh, like I said, Don, Don Hayes said, don't let emotions get to you. All right. You know, if, if your emotions are getting to you and you're starting to sell everything, probably not the right time. I think there's going to be a better time. Now, the question is, what will happen in 2019? And we talked about that four-year cycle. So we'll see. I think 2019 might be the bottom. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Insiders. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Tim Hayes. I'm the. It's, this is Smart Investor Show. 
Um, it, once again, you can uh, Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio and get any of the information we are talking about, like 2019, our best ideas from RBC, uh, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income portfolio. Uh, I think they're great ideas. And then we had our technology, internet, media, and telecommunications conference. There's some great notes from that if you're looking for ideas. Uh, but the dividend growth portfolio and the 2019 best ideas are probably a pretty good place to start. Noah did not build the ark when it started raining. <laughs> All right. So now we talk about insiders. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. The insider ratio is really bullish. It's one of the lowest I've ever seen. And uh, I am seeing, you know, you know, I get some insider reports uh, every day. And I don't think I've ever seen this many insiders buy and multiple buys too. And, uh, you know, companies that are a dollar companies that are $180, you know, uh, it's, it's multiple. So, uh, here's one, uh, one of the directors and, and by the way, this guy, uh, I'm not going to mention his name. So you got to look him up yourself, but it's VBI vaccines. It's, it's only a dollar 41 and he bought 1.9 million. He's bought quite a bit in the past. All right. Uh, but look him up. And then uh, Arnie Dunham, uh, Dunbar, I'm sorry, uh, he's a director at Chesapeake, bought $2.6 million and two point four. Now, you may recall back a long time ago, we started talking about Chesapeake at $15 a share and how the insiders were buying. Uh, and they bought, bought, bought. And then at you know 35 I quit talking about it. And then it went to 70 and uh, I don't I don't know if anybody got out or not, but it went straight up to seventy. And uh, we sold. It was in the summer of two thousand, I believe it was eight uh, or seven, and we sold it. Uh, and now we have insiders buying for the first time in a long time. And Exovant, Exovant Sciences, uh, we had two buyers of ten million dollars or ten million shares each, and uh, they already own a ton of the stock. It's a dollar now. People say, how can you recommend dollar stocks? Well, this was a $22 stock just a year and a half ago. So the market's been hitting some people. Now, we also have Heister. We, you know, they've been buying multiple quantities of this thing for months now. And they did, we just had six more insider buys to the tune of about $200,000 each. Um, and this has been going on for a long, long time. So I don't know what's going on in Heister, but you should pay close attention. New Star Energy, uh, this gentleman's been buying for some time. He's a director. Uh, he used to be uh, CFO. He bought another $1.7 million and another 300000 and another two fifty over the last two weeks. So uh, New Star is down quite a bit. It's it's a master limited partnership. It's got a nice dividend yield. So I don't know if uh, you do your own homework. And here's another stock that's below a dollar that was a $7 stock. It's called Dynasil Corporation. They make a, a scientific uh, equipment. The president and the CFO, the CEO, bought $1.5 million. Um, so, I mean, I think he paid $0.76 cents for it. So <laughs> it's not for widows or orphans. And Symantec, uh, you know, this is one that starboard value bought quite a bit of stock, uh, uh, almost 9% of the company. Uh, I'm sorry, almost 7% of the company uh, back about six months ago. And uh, now we had uh, Arthur Gilliland, who's now, I think he's now CEO, uh, bought 165,000 shares and, and uh, the former, or yeah, the CFO bought 68,000 shares. There were two others that bought about uh, uh, 13,000 shares. And here's Copper's Holdings in, in the basic material area. And this was a $50 stock, who's now a $16 stock. The CFO bought $170,000 worth. And the VP... Uh, COO bought $870,000 worth. So it's about a million, just a little over a million. And then uh, Patrick Industries, which is industrial goods, lumber, wood production, that type of thing. The CEO bought uh, $475,722,000 worth and then another $303,000 worth. And then another director bought $316,000 worth. So that's worth uh, quite a bit. And here's uh, uh, Bob Dugan, who's a quite a great investor when it comes to small healthcare companies, although he's not looking so good right now. I don't think anybody is in that area. But he bought another 3.146 million shares of Pulse Biosciences. It's a company that has uh, a, a very interesting approach to cancer. And uh, he now owns 9 million, 
uh, shares. This this guy was one of the early investors in U.S. Surgical, Varian Medical, uh, Pharmacycles, who we talked about on this show for months and years. Uh, probably my biggest home run. Uh, just an absolute home run shot. Uh, HDS Supply. Uh, we had two buyers of $1.2 million. They're both directors. Uh, they're in the industrial equipment business. They're down quite a bit, by the way, from 46 to 36. Uh, Valero Energy, which uh, I owned, uh, I sold it around 100. Uh, is now 72, by the way. One director bought $1.62 million. Uh, GMS, which is industrial goods. Notice this is an industrial theme at this point. We had four directors. One bought eight hundred sixty-five thousand. One bought seven hundred seventy-five. One bought seven hundred seventy-seven, and one bought seven eighty-nine. So, um, a very big industrial component here. And then um, the medicine companies. This is a healthcare company. It's in generic. Uh, this has been pummeled. It's, it was a forty-dollar stock. It's eighteen now. Uh, one of the directors bought sixteen point five five million. The CEO bought half a million. And another director bought another five hundred forty, so it's uh, it's about seventeen, eighteen million dollars. And uh, you know these guys are buying with both hands, like I said. Now here's a r- couple really interesting ones. Uh, there's a company by the name of Mary Mac Pharmaceuticals. Now this was down right after these guys bought them, but the CFO bought one point six million shares, and the C- uh, I'm sorry, the CEO did one point two six million dollars worth. And the CFO bought 45,000 shares, and there, there, were, there was a lot of people that bought is what it came down to. But uh, um, CarMart, uh, the CEO, president, uh, et cetera, bought 2.3 million shares. Uh, CarMart is – I haven't seen the chart, so I'll leave it at that. Um, got a couple more here, so let's uh, – got a lot of insiders this week. That's why I said there's more insiders than I've ever seen ever. Uh, and – by the way, VBI vaccines, I forgot to mention, Perceptive Advisors bought 20,000 shares. Now, these, these guys are not dummies. They own 10% of the company. So we have the present CEO buying some. And this is a $1.62 stock. And then uh, full DM stock, uh, which has been held at its, its own here lately, uh, Levin Capital's uh, management uh, bought $6.7 million worth, and they have a 10% position. Uh and Acogen, which is a little $2 stock, Mr. Dugan uh, bought another 740,000 shares, a million-dollar offer. He has 9.3 million shares. Um, he started to buy this at like 11.12, so it's down at you know below a dollar. So some of these names are getting beat up, and, and people don't understand why. Um, and then, oh, J&J. We, we had three buyers of J&J um, this week after, you know, they had the uh, – uh, baby powder scare, 133,000, 100,000, and then 260,000. They're all directors. And then finally, uh, the gentleman who probably is going to uh, replace Warren Buffett, Jane Ajit, who's an office director of Berkshire Hathaway, bought $19.9 million worth of Berkshire A. By the way, Berkshire A and Berkshire B you know, trade a lot alike. So we talked to you about that we did get a relative strength buy signal on the money market versus or cash versus the S&P 500. And we did have the S&P 500 break the uptrend line dating back to 2016. Now, it's it's got plenty of ways to go. But, look, here's the problem. Um, you know, we, we thought we'd be in this triangle pattern for some time, and, and we broke through it, uh, you know, Thursday when things were a little bit weak. You know, Mr. Trump said – we're shutting down the government, and we got a lot weaker. Uh, so we're about 10% above the low end of the long-term rising channel. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see if we hold. So what are a couple ideas that I think are really, really good? At, well, here, let me go over two other things. Um, you know, I sent a chart out, and I, it looked like we had a double bottom, and I said if this holds, it would be great. It did not hold. So we may have a technical you know, breakdown here, and it could go further. So don't get panicked or anything like that. Uh, you know, use your head. But the McQuellen oscillator is now at minus 92. And that's that's where it's been bottoming for the last four or five, eh, six, seven years. Uh, I would also suggest the summation index is now minus 820. So it hit a new low. Uh, so you're getting to levels that normally are severely oversold. Okay, so just keep that in mind. 
So short term, we're in a correction, no doubt about it. Intermediate term, we're neutral. Long term, I'm very bullish, and I just want everybody to know that. So what are a couple of good ideas? We talked last week about the dogs of the Dow. Between here and the end of the week is a good time to start buying these. I have I don't have all the names yet. Got to you know get them at the end. Uh, but also the dividend growth portfolio is a good place to be. Buy quality. You know, the stocks that you always wanted to own that are down, start paying attention to them. See, you know, if they bounce, you know, see if they hold the new low, you know, that type of thing. And because uh, I, I think we're getting close. And uh, like I said, I think the, the Fed could make a, a, a change in policy uh, decisions coming up here. So look at those. Look at the dividend growth portfolio. The dogs of the Dow is a great idea. Look, let's review this. We've got the McQuellen oscillator near where it bottoms out all the time. The summation index is a new low uh, dating back all the way to 2013 or 14, I think it is. And we have the put-to-call ratio at 1.75. We have the bear is at 54%, the bullish percent probably in the you know, 2022 range. The number of new highs versus new lows, you know, showing unbelievable numbers. And we have the volatility index up around 26. I think we're getting close to a major rally. The question is, what type of the magnitude of the rally? Hey, I'd like to... Uh, there's a there's a bunch of guys from overseas that listen to me. They call me occasionally. Uh, they listen to me on the internet, and they're with our armed forces. And I just want to say Merry Christmas to you guys. I what you're doing I think is fantastic. You guys are the greatest, both the ladies and men out overseas. God bless all you guys. Um, in the meantime, um, I'm not supposed to say Merry Christmas, I guess, but I'm going to anyway. Merry Christmas to everybody. I missed I kind of missed Hanukkah. I apologize to all my Jewish friends because I got a lot of them. Uh, but remember, uh, it's a season of giving and, uh, remember there's a reason for the season. Okay. So in the meantime, uh, we have all sorts of things you can get from us. Just Google or Bing Tim Hayes or go to WHK 1420's website, podcast, local podcast down to Tim Hayes. You can get all the information you want. In the meantime, as the radio waves came into light, I would just say happy Christmas to all of you tonight. <laughs> This is the Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.